0: off for his slides. There we go. More like that. Nice. Position. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Garrett Schalke podcast, uh, episode seven. I think I got that one right. I am your host, uh, Garrett Schalke, and I'm back in my hometown of Alpena, visiting my folks this weekend. And uh, here for today's podcast is a friend of mine.
1: His name is uh, Victor Kahn. Hi, everyone. I'm an Alpena native, so I guess that's relevant to the Alpina trip. Oh, really? I thought you were actually originally from Harrisville. I was originally from Mikado, but my parents got divorced when I was about five, and so we moved up here. So I went to all of kindergarten and one day of first grade in Elkona, and ever since, I went to all... Of uh, grade school and junior high and even uh, high school and uh, two years at ACC. More like two and a half because, you know, I was on the the not graduate on time plan. Oh, shit. So what happens. We literally just got your whole origin story before I asked. Oh, there's way more origin story than that.
0: Well, before we begin, Victor Khan is a Alpia native, musician, meme lord. Denizen of the internet. Yeah, that's a pretty
1: good way to put it. And uh, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed your last podcast. I learned a lot about socialism that I didn't know. Oh before. yes, me and my good friend from Kalamazoo, Andy uh, Argo. I also learned a lot about the the Kalamazoo homeless crisis, and now it makes sense when I see on M Live all the time about oh. homeless encampments in Kalamazoo. Oh, have you kept up on that? Um, I just I read a lot of news stories because you know the internet. So uh, it was nice to actually be able to get. A different perspective on it because you know Live doesn't always give uh, a great, you know story about everything Sometimes their journalism is slightly slanted And me, That's
0: what happens when you make a media conglomerate I'm actually surprised uh, the Alpeen News hasn't been sucked up yet mm. Like I think they control like the big papers downstate, you know, Grand Rapids Grand Rapids Press, the Kalamazoo Gazette,
1: Detroit Free Press I think well, the Alpina hospital got bought out, so, you know, there's still time. There's still time for Alpina to be controlled by every major whoa, corporation. Whoa. Mark Hunter, chill out. <laughs> uh, see, I, I haven't even read the Alpina news in a long time. Uh, a friend of mine, Eric Menack, I think wrote for the sports section for a while. Uh, one of my friends on Facebook, Steve Shulwitz, uh writes for the Alpina news. And he and I's politics way differ, but he shares some pretty decent memes, so I let hmm. it slide. Oh, there you go. That's kind of how you term your friendships. Yeah, That's I mean, kind of really, I'm 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 all over the place pol- politically and socially, and so I I read you know I read feminist blogs and I read men's rights blogs, not because I believe in men's rights, but Wait. just to like laugh at some of the things. You mean men's rights subreddits? Uh, I, you are absolutely right Ooh, there. Oh god. Although I have read some of the terrible blogs like Reality Kings, just because they're t- ugh. Uh, it's Wait, Reality Kings? Isn't that a porn site? N- or it's Return of Kings or something like uh, that. Like I think I get what, what sucked me in because I love Tolkien. <laughs> was Return of Kings, like, oh, this must be a Tolkien blog. No, no, no. He's talking about how to uh, to bed women in as few steps as possible with the maximum amount of lying happen- uh, God, happening. Uh, the the,
0: I, the moment I knew I would not ever be interested in being part of the men rights movement was. Uh, this is a pretty infamous thread on the subreddit on the Reddit forum. I'm not on Reddit, so I'm just keep i I'm not I'm never on Reddit, so I really don't know the jargon or terms. I think it's some guy that claimed that uh he uh fucked some girl, you know, he went to sleep. Then he woke up and found her like scrunching through the garbage. And was mm. like, what are you doing? And she lifts out the condom, lifts out like some,
2: ah ha 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 ha.
0: You know, indicating that she was going to get pregnant that way, and he chased after her, beat her up. Uh, so it's like, be careful, men. You know, ladies out there are uh, coming for your jizz <laughs> that you throw in the trash. Ugh, yeah, if, if you uh, see a woman with a
1: turkey baster, just run, I yeah, guess. Yeah, after uh, that, I was like, yeah, no. Those are like Bigfoot and UFO stories. I'm pretty sure that's uh, not the reality of the world. And when I say I read feminist blogs and men's rights blogs, I'm not equating the two. So try not to kill me no. if you see me in person. <laughs> One has actual problems like I went to the doctor and they won't give me birth control because they're crazy religious. And the other is like, why won't this girl sleep with me? <laughs> not quite the same. Yeah, geez. Life is tough, man. Yeah, you know. Starting off on a great foot here. Let's talk about the Internet. <laughs> Actually, let's just go into your origin. Okay, Victor Kahn. Where are you from officially? Uh, I'm officially from Alpena, although I've spent quite a bit of time in the last years in both Harrisville and uh, Taos because I was staying with my dad. And I was living in Harrisville for about four and a half, five years, and then uh, I broke up with my girlfriend. So I've been bouncing around between different places ever since, trying to get established again. I just recently moved up here to Alpena, and I started a job at the Fresh Palette, and I'm looking to get a house and. I love searching Zillow for houses on the North Side because it's like, oh, this one looks like a murder could be committed in it because it's just so sketchy. And, and uh, they're like twenty grand. So your mortgage payment would be like hundred dollars nice. a month. Well, uh, if you were to murder anyone out here, North Side would be a good place. I mean, it's old enough; it's, mm-hmm. it can get dark enough. You got the nice paper plant that cover up oh, the smell. Yeah, that's the one thing I did not miss about Alpina was the smell. Like As soon as I got back here like to one deep breath in the morning, I'm like Ugh, I didn't miss that. Not at all. Now, I've, I've lived out of Alpina since 2009 and uh,
0: whenever I come back, whenever I get that whiff, it still surprised me, even though I should be used to it because I grew up here. Mm-hmm. I mean, last night, my folks and I were coming back, coming from a Awesome Brothers Brewery third anniversary party. Mm-hmm. We we're going downtown for way out Wayne. See him perform at the Fresh Palette and that uh, wine place. I forget the name of Thunder Bay Winery. Thunder Bay Winery. Up, my bad. Holla. Yeah, and uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, we we're on the. You're we going through North Side and it just hit me like near the CIA restaurant.
1: Mm. <coughs> Do you know the story about the CIA restaurant? Because every time I drive by, it's it's not open. So maybe it's, well, it's you can only get in if you're we, like a Russian mole or something.
0: Oh, if only. They all come down, you know. But But uh, <laughs> no, we've my folks and I ate in there once. It was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Uh, my folks actually used to know it back in the day when it was like the hot spot, you know, like the 24-hour place. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what John Boy's is now. Yeah. yeah. But that place went out of business, now it's CIA Restaurant, which everyone's like,
1: okay, what's up with the weird name, for one? Yeah. And two, why you have these stupid fucking hours? Yeah, because it's never open when I drive by. Maybe I don't drive by during the, you know, maybe it's like a two in the morning type deal. They open when the bars close. Actually, I think it's more during the day. It's like, Really? Because I swear I've driven by during the day and been super confused. Well,
0: it's, it's some stupid shit, like 10 a.m. to... 2pm or something oh yeah that's
1: probably why I went by uh, at 3 idiot I, me <laughs> I don't know we ate
0: there and we've ate at worse places but you're not missing much for now
1: mm. you might as well just help John boys well I, I ate at Austin Brothers for the first time uh, probably a week or two ago and I had sushi and wow I don't necessarily want to you know be like sponsored by Austin Brothers Austin Brothers sponsor me but um, man that was good sushi it also helps that my friend uh, Adam, who I've also played in bands with, is oh, a yeah. uh, chef oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Adam Newman of Murder Party. Yep, who, also known as Chubby McCarlson, who now lives up here in Alpena.
0: He promised to make Alpena gray again, and no offense, Chubs, but he
1: uh, <laughs> still got a lot of work to do. It still stinks. Uh, I've been st- the North Side does literally in figure. Like, yeah, I, I've been standing with my parents, and they live ten miles out of town. And this morning, that's what I woke up to was the smell of particle board or whatever that stink is. God, well, what is it called now? Like where I grew up is Abitibi, mm-hmm. was and then like, it was ABT Co. I I, I can't keep track of yeah, all. The yeah, we just buyouts. Yeah, we just call it Abitibi. For yeah, all of it. that's the stank. Well, yeah. part of uh, my origin story. Uh, around here is uh once i was in grade school like as far as like me being a musician um
0: yeah that, I, that's like that's a good point folks when i message these uh awesome folks i would like to interview
1: i throw out some subjects i would like to talk mm-hmm. about. so i had so to I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you remember a lot because i don't remember half of well, I, I had to think of, like, good stories, and some of my stories I really I, – I can't tell because I don't want to speak ill of people, so I'm, like, racking my brain for, like, good stories. Well, we, I've
0: encountered the same problem, too, mostly in Kalamazoo, and it's not really so much people that I want to put in a bad light. It's people I've legitimately had beef with. Mm-hmm. Like, you block them on Facebook, you glare mm-hmm. at each other at shows, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I just give them, like, a fake name. <laughs> one where it's like where one like if you're obviously from the area, you know
1: who I'm talking about kind kinda of thing. But it gives you enough plausible deniability that if they listen to your podcast, maybe they wouldn't know exactly that you're talking about Yeah. Them. Like if it was Adam Newman, it'd be like Dadum Tooman. <laughs> yeah. I, I love pseudonyms like that. Funny uh considering Adam Newman, I guess his neighbor has a YouTube channel and like on his YouTube channel he was talking smack about Adam because I guess oh, Adam was playing his music too loud one night and, and and so Adam listened to his video about him and he's like dude I live right next to you and I, I'm also on the internet like you want to talk smack this god. is kind of ridiculous god I'm thinking, god who is that Alpina it's not that one Alpina guy who like collects trash in that it could be because he seems like a, a wee bit of a trashy guy like i'm pretty sure he has a fire in a coffee can every night <laughs> and like the one night i was out there he was like playing with his he wasn't just playing he was like brushing his cats and like speaking to him and in, in you know only the way that an owner and a cat can talk to each other in like ridiculous voices uh. I, he told Very me he was going to. He he told me he was going to link me the video, but I haven't seen it yet. So uh, yeah. I definitely. I, Here's I, a video of me talking shit about your front. Yeah, I I really I I love stuff like that. I love all the drama subreddits like "Am I the asshole?" or like "Tales from your server" yeah. or "Petty revenge." Or have you been on Alpina Topics? Uh, no, I just finally got added to the Alpina buy, and, buy sell and trades. So. No, 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 no. This is not on Facebook. This is on Topics. T-O-P-I-X. I I don't think I've ever been to Topics. Holy
0: shit, dude. Uh, Go on there later on is probably the closest you'll get to a cesspool in Alpino. Mm. Well, aside from, you know, just
1: the town in general.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, no. This is actually worse than the town. Mm. Like A lot of drama? Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. It's a pretty much... Think of it like 4chan for Alpino. Oh, dear everyone, lord. <laughs> everyone, except for like a few jerk-offs who don't know any better, are all anonymous. Uh. And sadly, though, it's kind of gone downhill more than it actually was beforehand. A lot more like off-topic shit, like, you know, Trump is the greatest president ever. Oh, you know,
1: stuff like that. Yeah, uh. stuff that doesn't really
0: have to do with Alpino. Uh. But occasionally, you'll get something like, you know,
1: the bitch works out the old curve <laughs> I get enough of that on Facebook. I, I love when I see my friends talking smack about like, oh, the the morning crew at the Diamond Point Shell are just terrible. Like they, yeah. they feel like it's a burden for me to come in and want coffee at 7 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's basically – the good stuff is like that.
0: The uh. other stuff is just ranting about shit that doesn't exactly have anything to do with Alpino.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder what's wrong about me as a person that I enjoy like malicious compliance and, and silly things like that. Is, yeah. Does that mean there's like a black part of my soul that enjoys like silly drama and people dude, getting their comeuppance?
0: Dude, I wonder that. I wondered that same thing back when I was a teenager. But then again, this was when I was like looking up really fucked up videos online, uh, or watching like Faces of Death yep, from yep. Family Video.
1: Yep. Half of it was, which was bullshit. but mm-hmm.
0: That's another topic.
1: Uh, I'm 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 so not into blood that I could never do the faces of death. I one time I worked at Big Boy and like a a glass thing exploded in my hand because it had a crack in it and I was putting it in the freezer straight from the dishwasher at the end of the night. And it almost blew my thumb off. And as soon as I saw the blood in my thumb, I, it was like an old cartoon where like all the darkness was closing in on me. And my manager grabbed me. He's like, "You're gonna fade out. Like, keep it together." So like, hang in there, Victor. Uh, Look at you. It was funny that, and it was a school night. I was still in high school, and I had to go to the emergency room and get my thumb stitched up. You can still kind of see the scar a little bit. It went oh, from there. Oh, I'm to rocking. There.
0: I'm rocking that too. When I
1: uh, worked at uh, re- worked
0: at a restaurant schoolcraft, Michigan. And if you can maybe see it a little bit. Mm, yep. That was yep. one nothing like really, um, really exciting
1: or anything. It's just a glass broke. I try to pick it up. And then, <sighs> yep. Glass will slice you so quick. And so I'm in the emergency room and I didn't get home till like maybe one in the morning. And of course, that's like the thumb on my hand for like fretting guitar. You know, I could miss this thumb totally and just like strum my guitar with a stump, but you know, it's hard to do chords with your left hand when you're. You know, right-handed guitar player, and not be able to like put your thumb on the back of the neck, so that sucked. I I couldn't play guitar for like a good week and a half, two weeks, because every time I tried, it would start stretching the the stitches, and it just hurt hurt really bad. Okay, uh, well let's get back to the origin story. All here. right, so origin story. Okay, okay, so okay, so uh, you you're currently back here. Yep, I'm currently back here. I'm trying to start a band, so of course that's fun. Um, yeah, uh, we're. Where did you go to school? Um, I started at Ella White Elementary, and that's where I really, really got into music, because I sang in choir, both fifth and sixth grade. And I wanted to join the band, too. And I had my heart set on playing the drums. Hmm. So they had a little practice pad and two sticks, and I picked up the sticks and dropped them. And they're like, here's this trombone. And I'm like, (sighs) "Uh." So I I wasn't in band. I was strictly in choir. Yeah. Was this like your first is since that you like music and want a career in it? Well, my dad and my dad is like super into music. Like I feel like I came out of the womb like knowing all the lyrics to all the Beatles songs and uh so my dad always listened to lots of different like the Stones and Bob Dylan and the Beatles and The uh, Band and stuff like uh, that. Very quickly, uh have you read that that bombshell that Paul McCartney dropped? This week. I feel like I've seen some some interviews lately where he's talking about how he wonders how John Lennon if he would still like his music and, and some oh, other stuff about really? like who re- really wrote which song and stuff like that. But That's
0: vastly different than the stories I've been reading. Oh, okay, so what did,
1: what's what's the story
0: that you've been reading? Uh, basically it's about how him and John Lennon, I think, is either like right before the Beatles got big or like right before the band sells started. Talked about how they uh, occasionally like to masturbate together. Oh, yeah! Nothing <laughs> with, wrong with that. Along, <sighs> along with their lads, <sighs> Sir Paul McCartney went into extensive detail of how this would go on. Was this on like the Howard Stern show or something? Or? <laughs> no, no, it's it's straight up off Straight up was all over Facebook. Hmm. No, I can't say that I, I heard that. Okay, I'm just gonna show it to you quickly.
1: Let's see. They say never meet your heroes, folks. Uh, never read stories about your heroes masturbating together. Well, it well takes all the magic out of it.
0: Well, you see, uh, I can't... You see, I've always been... Uh, yeah, here we go. From the Independent. Oh. The most trustworthy of news sources. Here's the headline. Load. Paul McCartney opens up about masturbation sessions with John Lennon.
1: <laughs> technology
0: Fuck. god damn it okay I reviewed the settings okay Paul
1: McCartney opens up about masturbation sessions with John Lennon and using prostitutes in the Beatles somehow I, I guess that really doesn't surprise me you know the creative types were weird in general Something oh yeah totally The 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 guys that masturbate together write great songs together Oh, yeah, they're just musical geniuses. Mm-hmm. I actually was watching a, a... I've watched a couple Beatles documentaries over the last couple weeks just because I have Hulu and I have to, like, justify a reason to pay $14 a month to not watch Rick and Morty every night. But uh, I guess as far as, like, the output between the two of them, they write, They wrote more hit songs than, like, all the Bachs and the, and the, you know, Mozarts and who, people who had huge careers... Maybe it's not, you know, a a great comparison because, uh, you know, they're writing symphonies. But as far as, like, writing pop songs, like, their output Uh, was incredible compared to just about anybody else in the history of music. Well,
0: what's the other iconic duo? What was it? uh, The Rolling Stones, Richards and... And uh, um, Jagger? Yep, Richards and Jagger. I've often heard them
1: put together for uh, songwriting duos. There's a lot of people that say that, that... um, the Stones stole a lot of just really good uh, blues stuff, like your Robert Johnson's. Oh, yeah, like they totally that. did. That's, that's that's actually
0: one of the reasons why I'm not a big Beatles fan. I was when I was a little kid because I first gained into music. Mm-hmm. You know, just go out, buy cassettes at a,
1: not FYE, but it was like the, what was called beforehand. Camelot. Camelot, uh, yes. I miss that place. I miss the place that replaced that place. They had a store called War Games North that sold, like, magic cards and dice oh, yeah. and yeah, I um, went there. and games. I guess they had a problem with theft, because uh, that place was kind of huge and there's just so yeah. much stuff in it that it was easy to pocket stuff and walk Thet. away. I miss LPL Mall the way it was when I was growing up. Mm. Yeah. I guess I've, I've heard from people that all the machines from 2-Bit Arcade exist in a storage unit somewhere. They took three or four of the working ones out, and they are down at the JCPenney end yep. in a little alcove. Yep, and it used to be, like, a big room in itself, but it keeps on getting smaller and smaller, just less slow. like anything in the Alpina Mall, it just keeps getting worse. Oh, uh, God. Alpina Mall, don't, like, ban me or something. Maybe I want to, like, fast walk someday when I'm old. I still <laughs> hope you're
0: there. Move Shit. my arms.
1: Shit, if you really want to make a big business in there, uh, start up a pet shop. That's one thing that the area doesn't really have is a, a good pet uh, store. I'm kind
0: of kidding. There used to be one there. there? But it smelled. Uh, they always
1: horrible. do. They always I know do. that was the
0: problem because the smell came out into the rest of the mall, mm. and it was across from. A, well, it used to be a cafe. Now it's just a what was it Cabin Creek Coffee? Oh uh, yeah, their and little they, satellite place. Yeah. Yeah, but beforehand, the stink would come out and just go directly to the people that are at the cafe. Mm, that's
1: great planning. Everyone hated it, so it's out of there now. Ugh. Well, uh, back to musical origin story. <laughs> yeah, musical origin. So I I didn't really appreciate them trying to give me a trombone, because if, if you're not familiar with who I am as, as a human... Um, I'm tiny. I'm like the tiniest human. I'm like five foot four. My arms are short. Like so, to give me a trombone is like a, a musical death sentence. Like it's just <laughs> not going to work out for me in the long run. So, what instruments do you uh, perform with? So, I uh, I play bass. Kind of that's like my worst. Uh, I play mainly rhythm guitar, and I play drums, and I also sing and uh, I can pick out lines on a keyboard a little bit but you know I can play accessory you know percussion instruments tambourine I like to say that I play a mean tambourine but
0: uh hey Mr. Tambourine man
1: (laughs) there's a really good video on uh, YouTube by a band from Ann Arbor called Volfpeck where they go into like Sweet tambourine licks from the past, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I super appreciated it as a musician because sometimes sometimes tambourine can make a track. You know, it sounds silly, but uh, triangle. Oh, oh yeah! Actually, I've never, <laughs> I've never got to like be the guy that just hits the triangle once and then mutes it real quick. I've always had that dream. You know, dream big, follow your dreams. All right. Um, At- but... actually, uh, before we go further, uh, how old are you? I am 36, I graduated from Alpena High School in the year 2000, in the height of the Y2K paranoia. Okay, good, this
0: actually kind of gives a timeline, and something I am interested in talking with you about, along with Adam and Rob, whenever I get them, and is basically the Alpena music scene back when you were a teenager. Mm, I can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, would, I would like to talk about that, because uh, I graduated in 2006, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess I could go
1: into it, but... The scene that I grew up with, I honestly didn't like that much. Was it like the 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 early 2000s scene where there was uh, a punk bands still, some hardcore bands? uh? Well, as I would well, two things
0: about it is that one, a lot of the people that were involved in it, even bands, were a lot of people that I didn't like. Ah, mainly because. they bullied me ah, as i yeah. growing up in school and like in hockey and shit, mm-hmm. which was
1: really funny because the jocks grew up to be the punks. That is yeah. weird because like punk became popular for a while there, you know, thanks to Blink 182 and stuff like that. Yeah. So like it, I feel like it drew in some people that maybe you'd call them posers, I guess, people that weren't. Really I guess into you'd call them that. But uh, and two, a lot of it was like,
0: I guess now I would describe it more metalcore than punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which I'm
1: honestly not that into that much. Would you describe it as, like, butt rock?
0: No, no. Not, like, not, not into not, that like, territory? Well, along with some of the people that I knew there, like, really aggressive metalcore, mm. some of it that could draw in some pretty
1: hateful elements. Perhaps. Oh, yeah. A uh, little little bit of white supremacism, maybe? Or,
0: or? I, I honestly don't remember seeing any of that at these shows, but I kind of got, like, a sense of that kind of mentality, and maybe some of the people around. Like, under the surface a little yeah, bit? Yeah, like, you would literally have front men that were, like, super jacked and bald. You know, mm. just going, oh. Yeah, yeah, there, there might be a little bit of white supremacism in there. Yeah, so, that's personally why I didn't like it, but
1: this is just my view, so I'm sure there's some people my age that would have a very different experience. Yeah, well, for me, like, I picked up... Guitar when I was about twelve because my stepdad had a bunch of guitars, and so for like the next I'd say three or four years, I played "Smoke on the Water" repeatedly until like I built da, up da, enough da, like
2: da, finger strength da, da, to actually play
1: chords. And he had a bunch of songbooks like Bob Dylan and the Beatles, so I'd try to pick out songs and learn chords. And uh, the person that really helped me a lot was Ian McConnell from the Blood Money Men. He was like one of the <laughs> first musicians that I got with and played with quite a bit. Um, My first actual band that I was in was called uh, uh, Lesbianage. Lesbianage. I have funny stories about that. We were a terrible punk band. Weren't very good at our instruments. And that was with...
0: Was the name intentional or did you just think it was cool and like not realize what it actually meant?
1: No, it it was a word that was kind of invented by my sisters. I have an older and a younger sister and it was a combination of the words lesbian and espionage. And so we just thought it was a really neat word and it'd be cool for a band name. So we went with that. By that point, Ian wasn't really into what we were doing with music. So it was just myself and Mike Gakey on drums and uh, Chris Williams on bass. And, uh, like I said, we were really terrible. Um, somehow the school got wind of that, you know, we were gonna play some school related show. I think uh, a guy had, had uh, made a flyer for us, and his mom was kind of religious. And so I think we had spread the flyers all around school. So I'm getting off the bus from Oxbow, which during the day at Alpena High School, they bussed people over to this like alternative school just because they didn't have enough classrooms. So okay. on my on my way back, I get pulled off the bus, and I'm thinking that somebody has, like, narked me out for having cigarettes or something, so I'm surreptitiously, like, trying to to put my cigarettes, like, in my pants, you know, so I don't get busted. And they sit me down in the office, and they slap the flyer down, and then I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. So they're like, would you say that your band is for or against homosexuality? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, because they're... It really doesn't agree with the Christian moral values of our high school. And at that point, like, high school was was a permanent fight the power type situation for me. Because I thought that that was total bullshit. So uh, they didn't want to let us play the show. And finally they let us play the show... And we played 17 songs in 22 minutes. A lot of them were like... Now, 17 songs? Yeah, th- that's that, the type of band we were. We played is... a lot of, like, Queers covers. Like, we'd have a ride doing oh, that heroin. Oh, that's perfect. And so we got done with our 17-song, 22-minute set. And the people from the school were like, that's it? And it's like, really? You didn't want to let us play in the first place? And you're worried... You not know anything about, like, classic punk rock? Well, I, I don't think they were Queers fans. And so... Have you heard the remote? You'd think they'd be happy for us to get off stage, but really they were just disappointed that we couldn't fill up more time. <laughs> so that was, like, my first foray into I think that was a, a GEAR show, which, uh, GEAR was a group at the high school called, it was an acronym that stand, stood for uh, Get Excited and Rally, you know. Woo, 90s! It is. Uh So... And that was at the Merchants Building, so they would set up an indoor skate park inside this concrete building with no Uh, windows. Merchants Building, as in at at the the fairgrounds, County Fairgrounds. So they'd have another Alpena landmark, folks. They'd have people skateboarding inside, and bands would be playing in the corner.
0: I do remember that actually, and it was before high school. Is actually when uh, skateboarding got really big here in Alpena, Mm -hmm. which of course meant I got into it and
1: i got called poser a lot mm-hmm. well i got well, for, i got called poser because i've worn a wallet chain since i was like 14 and i still am wearing the exact same wallet chain today here you know, let me slap it against the table a little nice. bit uh, mostly just because i'm such a tiny human and most pants are huge on me so my wallet tends to fall out a lot so i lost one wallet and that was it i'm like I, i'm chaining it yeah. i used to have a, I used to have a chain
0: one but uh it was official Stone Cold Steve Austin mm. one. Because, of course,
1: we were in the wrestling and we grew up during
0: the Attitude
1: Era. Ah. I Austin was in 316. I was just having a conversation with another musician yesterday. Uh, he was getting, uh, his name's Abe Brown, and he was responsible for the Ascota scene, which I'll talk about later. Yeah. But he was reminiscing about the Attitude Era of wrestling. And oh, dude. He knew this guy named, like, Douchebag Dan or something. And it's <sighs> like He wasn't excited to hang out with the dude, but he had, like, happy memories about, like, watching wrestling. Yeah. I I got into wrestling for a little bit I think when I was in junior high but I watched like the WCW with like the yeah. Wolf Pack and all yeah, that nonsense. I, that's how uh,
0: that's how we started too. My brother and I WCW. You know had the NWO. Like, yep. we were legitimately sad when Hulk Hogan turned
1: bad and joined uh, NWO. It's like D and D for jocks. I feel like that in fantasy yeah, football. Yeah. Then we got more into WWF. That was my fault. Uh,
0: okay. We got more at the WWF. Actually, first it was through uh, videos of like, you know, King of the Ring, WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. We would rent those out at uh that video store that used to be next to the Alpena Mall. System oh. 1 Video. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. sign's
1: still up there, I think. System 1 Video. My favorite was Purvan South. Yep. Benville I used Pur-Vans. to rent a lot of Nintendo and Super Nintendo games from there with my friend Andy. Yep. Yeah. And then finally, we got into the.
0: Attitude era watching WWF on TV. And somehow my mom still let us watch it, even though she wouldn't let us watch it, like Beavis some Butthead.
1: That's weird because it was straight so, violence. Yeah, let's see. <laughs>
0: um, you got one group that tells people to suck it. You got The Undertaker, who's a literal cult leader making people drink blood and hang on crosses. Mm. You got. Just uh, wholesome
1: family fun, yeah, you, know? you
0: got You got Val Venus, who's like literally a porn star. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. let's
1: have our t- pre-teen and teenage sons watch this. Uh, nothing wrong with that, you know. It teaches them, you know, skills like banding together and cooperation and elbow drops. I know. It worked well for me. I mean, here I am doing this podcast now. It gives you
0: good happy memories. Yeah. Okay, so uh how... Okay, you gave a few instances of shows you did, bands you're in, bands you know. How would you describe the atmosphere of the Alpine music scene around this time when... uh you first started taking part in
1: it. Well, when I first started taking part of it, some of the bands that were big were like Mild Seven, who is now known as Moto, and they are still a band, and they, they're they in Grand Rapids. They recently, uh, like end of July, played a show in the alley by the Fresh Palette, oh, and yeah. it was like a high school reunion. There were 200 people from like around my graduating class. You couldn't throw a rock without seeing somebody I went to school with okay. or saw at other shows. That was incredible. Uh, like, really made me feel good inside about the old days. The people that I looked up to were, like, Joe St. Charles, who had a one-man band called Black Shroud. Wait, uh, isn't he the guy who sets up the Alpena Rock City? Yes. He, he wrote a yep. book called Alpena Rock City, and he has a band camp page that has just about every old, you know, Alpena yep. band from back in the day. Just, like, ones like Dig Dug. I really like Dig Dug because... Um, Like, Chris Lawrence and, and, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think Joel Patrykis, who now makes movies. Like, Alpina has some cool people that have come out of it. And uh, Evan Q. Dibble, I think, was the other guy. Like, they were silly and funny, and they weren't the most talented, but they also weren't the least talented. And they were always having fun. And they made it seem like it was possible for somebody with a limited amount of talent to get up there on stage and play and have people, you know, enjoy it. Like, whenever my first band was playing, which we were terrible, they were front row, and they were paying attention, and that always made me feel good. We felt, to me, it felt like everybody was on the same team, you know. There was always, you know, things like, oh, who's going to play first, and who's going to play last, and, you know, little petty conflicts, but it all felt like we were all going in the same direction, trying to do the same thing, which was have fun and have shows for people to be at. And, and a lot of times it was to raise money for something like raise money for the skate park, or we had a nine eleven benefit show at the college, you know, to raise money for yeah. victims of nine eleven. 11. Yeah. What were some of the venues around here? Um, in the early days, they did a lot of stuff out in like Wilson hall and they do the VFW hall in town. Um, we did a couple shows at, um, the big park in to- at the shell. Those are some of my favorite ones were the ones at the bandshell because you could hear the bands all over the entire town. Like you could go all the way down to Big Boy, like two miles away and hear just punk rock. You know, just, it was. It always just made me smile like being able to hear bands in town. Um, trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh... There was a festival called Scottstock, which was out in the middle of nowhere in somebody's barn. Uh, there were quite a few at the Austin E. Call until, you know, we got a little bit too crazy. I think there was a hardcore sh- a hardcore show where ceiling tiles got pulled down and somebody pulled a sink off the wall or maybe oh, broke the that, toilet. that is punk right there. My favorite Austin Vandalizing There Vandalizing. There was an Austin show where a band called Kid Brother Collective, who they're on band camp and uh, they were an amazing like alternative style band like they were getting crazy jumping off their amps and i think it was the bass player's amp fell over in slow motion and i was like right in front of it and i just watched like oh no timber just crash on the floor yeah that's actually uh i don't remember
0: how exactly you and i met but i think it was through my space and uh, really
1: yeah i do remember
0: seeing a lot of pics of U.S. shows like mm-hmm.
1: and Always this, tag pics <laughs> yeah
0: especially uh since it was MySpace, you had a lot of uh, funny captions there, like, uh, there's one where it shows you moshing, you know, yep. you're like this. I think I think you wrote,
1: like, Juice Mash on there. Yep, yep. That was actually at a place called PS150 in Tawas. And the history of Northeast Michigan's music scene, there were, like, sort of eras, and it moved around a little bit. So, like, when... When things got too violent and stuff got destroyed too much, like there were civic center shows, but they always wanted insurance and security, and like it was a lot of money to rent the hall in particular. So things kind of moved south for a while, and they were doing them. At, my friend, who I mentioned earlier, Abe Brown, we had a lot of shows at the Legion Hall in Oscoda. uh, Uh, That's another thing.
0: You mentioned that there's was Alpina scene, Tau scene, Oscoda scene. Mm -hmm. And they they Uh, crossed
1: over just a little bit. Okay, were there, like, any, like, really noticeable differences besides just general location? Just different bands, and sometimes bands from up in Alpina. Like, I was in a band with uh, Joel Choate, whose dad owns a guitar store, and another guy named John Wapplehorse. Waplehorse. Uh, yeah, he was. He is an amazing piano player. Like he was classically trained. And new. That is an amazing last name too. He really. He's got one of those names. It's just great. Uh, we were in a band that was like I played drums, John played keyboards, and Joel rapped. So like uh, the keyboard player would play like Toccata and Fugue. And I would play rap beats, and Joel would freestyle over it. Or uh, John would play like Mario music, and like I would drum, and Joel would rap over it. Nice. That was one of the bands that I was in that, that had transferred over and played a show down in Oscoda. But there was an indoor skate park in, in Tawa City. That's the picture that you saw where I was moshing. That's where like the Hubies played a lot, and like some of the other bands that were from Alpina went and played shows. Because there wasn't really a music scene as much in Alpina anymore, and that was probably... 2004, 2005, 2006, and that was oh, like yeah. towards the end of it. I feel like it started really dying about 2008, 2009. With the, the era of cell phones and laptops and always on the internet, there's just not as much incentive to like spend a lot of time practicing and hanging out together. And Yeah, uh, but yeah, around that time, two th- 2007, 2008,
0: I uh, moved back to Alpena from spending a school year in Traverse City, and uh, I was working for the alpia community college paper then because i was formerly a journalist major and i uh tried to do a story on the Alpena music scene and uh i talked about i tried talking about to three people only got into one one was like this metal dude metalhead dude who uh hated one of the other guys i was going to talk to no figure i don't know and he's a tattoo artist down at a God, what was that one place that was over here? Concert Connection? Yeah, Concert Connections. He was like, tattoo ours there. Very intimidating, uh, very racist metalhead. So I was like, yeah, I don't think I could quote the majority of your stuff, because you're dropping a lot of n-bombs right now for no reason. Oh,
1: God, n-bombs? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, no. He hated hip-hop, let's put it that Mm. way. And the... The other band I tried to talk to was Crown 91, but, uh, they never responded to my messages, so I don't know what's up with that. And the other guy, uh, I totally forget his name, but he, he was, like, the... Uh, but I guess he, like, worked for, like, a water company around here or something. Hmm. Yeah, I forget his name, but... He then sent me back an email stating about how, like, the media in Alpina and, like, the leaders of Alpina have, uh, Mess with him so much that he, like, sent me this huge list of questions to, like, determine whether I was in the end when it came to, like, punk, emo, and indie.
1: Do you have to, like, pass, like, a loyalty test to be able yeah, like, to write yeah,
0: about it? Yeah, like, how much how much of the history do you know? What are some of your favorite emo bands? And oh, like, Lord. I was like, oh, God. You know, the minute I put dashboard for professional, he's just going to freak his shit and
1: block me. Oh, no. So I just never responded to it, and the story never happened. Oh, that sucks. At, at Adam's house just the other day, there was an article that is very yellowed now because it was probably pretty old. From It might have been from the Alpena newspaper, and it was, like, talking about the Hubies. I think <laughs> I worked for the college newspaper for, like, a semester because I took intro to journalism, and I think I did... An article about the Alpino music scene, but I don't remember a whole lot of it. Did a lot of drugs yeah. back then, so I don't really remember so good. Uh, uh, only the best drugs you could find in Alpino. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> don't even get me started on drugs yeah. in Alpino because it's terrible. Oh, yeah, we're totally messed out up here. Yeah. And before I even knew what methamphetamines was, or were, or are, uh, uh, I was hanging out with this girl that I met at college, and she just, out of the blue, showed up at my house on the north side one day, and, like, her pupils were, like, as big as her eyeballs were, and she must have been on some meth or something, and she, like, wanted to do all this stuff, and was super excited, and then right away, I'm like, this is a bad time, Uh, like, you need to, like, sit down, drink some water, like... Dude, I, I used to have mobile patrol on my phone, that app, where you can, like, look up
0: people f- from different zip codes and see, like, who's currently in the county jails and that. Oh, oh, okay. So I, w- I would look up the ones in Alpena because even in Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids where I lived, even though I lived there a number of years, so I'm not as familiar with the people there as I, I am here. I would look up and, like, every time before the app went to shit, it's back now, but I haven't downloaded it. I would always see at least one person that I knew in there. Mm. And holy shit, were they
1: met out. Yeah. The looks of it. I used to see a bumper sticker a lot. It was like, Alpina Vacation, Leave on Probation. Yeah, i that one. I mean, there's even like a
0: girl I asked out once that was on there. I'm mm. like, oh, I dodged that bullet.
1: Yeah, shit. yeah. But as far as like the music scene up here, like, is and and like the feeling of it, like... I really do think it was kind of like a band of brothers type situation or a band of people, even though it was predominantly male. You've, you found, like, the the, uh, yeah. the drummer for uh, Go Banana, who's Becky Lawrence, I think uh, she is married to a guy who's in Mustard Plug.
0: And oh, they really? they live in
1: Grand Rapids. Yep, I actually saw them again last week. They're hometown heroes. Yep. And uh, I'm trying to think... There weren't. Um, there were always lots of women at shows well, and that, stuff like that. Well, but. what you're kind
0: of saying is, it's kind of been with indie and punk and whatnot forever. You know, mm. even the beginning. So it's not like really shocking content here.
1: But Alpina has has has. Uh, I think her name is Steph Chura. She's one of the ones yeah. that's gotten pretty popular. Oh, dude, I've
0: been wanting to see her for a while now. I missed out because she was here with
1: yeah. Lipstick Jody from yeah. Grand
0: Rapids. They were awesome. But I was in Chicago at the time, so...
1: That'd probably be the only complaint about, you know, the, Alp- the Alpena music scene was that it was a mostly boys club, but it's just what happens when there's a lot of boys around that want to play yeah. punk rock. Yeah. Well, actually, I do remember
0: one band from high school, and uh, they were actually a Scott band, and this was before, like, the big metalcore, hardcore stuff came in. You ever remember a band called Omega Red? Omega Red? Uh, yeah, that name oh, sounds familiar. You, oh, you do? Because, first, I, it took me a couple of years to realize the X Men reference, for one.
1: See, I wouldn't, uh, as much as I do enjoy comics and Marvel and all that stuff, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten. Is that like a. Uh, Omega Red's a Wolverine villain.
0: Like, he's a Russian mutant. Ah, yeah, he I has, remember him from the like, cartoon. The, he yeah. has, like, the tentacles coming out of yep, his hands. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first time I remember trying to skank too. And I didn't even know what ska or skanking was. I just saw people doing it and
1: I tried to do it and I just awkwardly did it. There was an amazing ska band from probably the late 90s from Alpena and it was uh, Chris Lawrence from Dig Dug and then like Jake Rebel and I think uh, Matt Ramey and uh, Scott Hickok who's the drummer for uh, Mount 7 and Moto was the drummer for that and they were a full on ska. I think... Uh, Jim Gunderson was in it too and they had a full horn section and everything and they were a lot like Real Big Fish who's you know one of my favorite uh, ska bands oh same
0: here uh, The Real Big Fish was like the first real band that I ever realized what the term ska meant mm-hmm. that and the specials are like really the only two that I actually still listen to I'm honestly not that big of a fan of ska actually
1: but uh, I still enjoy it I still like seeing Mustard Plug on occasion I I really liked uh, Real Big Fish and uh, Less Than Jake when yep. I was young. Those are like two, oh, two yeah. of I mean, my favorite. Bands. I did go
0: through a ska phase, which <laughs> was basically Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake, Voodoo Glow Skulls. Yep, yep. Goldfinger. Yep, all yep. Goldfinger.
1: Remember, remember that Tony Hawk song? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It'll never get old. I could hear that song a million times. Yeah, you know, Superman. Time getting younger in my mind. Uh, Ugh. There there was quite an interesting... Alpina is weird because it has really made a lot of different styles of music. There was metal, there was hardcore, there was alternative, there was punk. There was ska, like full-on ska.
0: Yeah, one one thing that I have noticed that was interesting in the Alpina Rock City Bandcamp is that uh, I'm actually surprised by how much experimental
1: music. Oh, yeah. I
0: mean, especially like Black Shroud that you yeah. mentioned.
1: Black Shroud, one of my favorite shows ever was that the old Shooting Star Cafe, which is now John Boy's and uh, Joe St. Charles, who's the guy that wrote the Alpine Rock City book, he would play over tape loops, and it was just him playing the drums and tape loops. And so he pressed play on the tape recorder, and the tape, you know, the samples are playing, and he's drumming along, and then everything stopped. He flipped his drumstick in the air... Caught it at the exact same moment the tape loop came back in, and nice. he was perfectly in time. That blew my, like, 18-year-old mind to shreds. Like, that just yeah. impressed the hell out of me.
0: Yeah, when well, I've heard that and uh, a lot of the other experimental stuff on there, I was like, wow, this is like some Town Zoo-level shit.
1: Because,
0: mm-hmm. like I said, when, the, when I grew up here in Alpina, the music scene that I got into, I really did not like. Mm-hmm. But then when I moved to Kalamazoo in 2009, it was like, pfft, wow, a lot, a lot of underground noise, mm-hmm. a lot of experimental music, a lot, a lot of stuff that just mixes everything from country to blues into mm-hmm. it. So when, I, so when I first heard about Peter Rock City, I was thinking like, just uh, metalcore shit that I heard back then. No, 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 And I listened to it, and I was like, whoa, my friend Sid Redling would like this. Sid Redlin of Boron Nuzzle. Check them out, folks. He's
1: coming back, I think, in October. Mm. Anyway. But some of my favorite bands from that era are like Trauma Coil, who is like an experimental alternative band, uh, very prog-rocky, very, lots of odd time signatures, stuff I'm into. Mild Seven could really jam out. And speaking, speaking of Shooting Star Cafe, there used to be shows in there where you'd have like 75 people crammed into there to the point where you couldn't move. People are sitting on each other's laps. The cops are, like, ready to shut the whole thing down because you're way over the fire code, you know, for being able to exit the building. But one time... Was that 24 hours, too, back It was 24 hours back then. And when we threw shows in there, it was incredible. There was one where Joe St. Charles, I helped him out. Like, I went out to his place out uh, in the boondocks. And, like, we had strung a bunch of cymbals across, like, the front of the coffee shop. And my job was to just, like, go crazy and hit the cymbals and I don't think he had mallets, so he had taped a bunch of uh, toilet paper to the end of drumsticks, and at the very end of it, there was just toilet paper everywhere, all over the <laughs> coffee shop, from me hitting the cymbals, and it all exploding. Wait, wait so uh, you've been to John Boy's
0: more recently?
1: Not not for several years, now. no. Uh, not for several years, but, uh, well, do you remember the setup at all? Uh, from back in the day, it was tables yeah. and booths, and there was the bar. Yeah, and yep, that's still it. So, like...
0: Where did the bands perform in there? Like, I'm trying to figure out in this generally small.
1: They would cram everything right by the front window. So if you're in in the, the, the coffee shop looking out at the street, it would be the left-hand side window. Oh. They would take, they would cram, like, people would set their amps on the table in that corner booth um it was you crammed as much stuff as you could and then the people would just be wherever the people would be like if you had to go to the bathroom good luck trying to get through the sea of bodies and of course you know there were shows that you know weren't packed to the gills like sardines but there were some shows where it was just an incredible amount of people in a tiny little space all sweating their balls off way too loud you'd leave the place you know half deaf and but that that that's Alpina yeah. music scene. That's what I love about it. Just, I, like, leaving I, tired and beat up and deaf yeah. every time. And, of course, I
0: kind of noticed here the places you mentioned. None of them were bars, right?
1: No, and now Alpina's music scene, which is kind of back, but it's mostly in the bars. There yeah. are some great bands around here, but they play bars. Uh, just last night, I feel like uh, I saw it. might have been Kevin Sitek or, or Jesse Tomchak said that uh, – there were some high school kids and it looked like the inside of chiefs to me. And they were playing original music in Alpena in a bar, you know, so not yeah. like the old shows, but, and it like, it gave him a lot of, you know, pride and he was happy about it that, that, that was happening. And, and I'm the same but, way. I just, if you're up on the stage and you're playing it, you don't even have to be playing original music. If you have the balls to get up there and play music, thumbs up, Kay. more power to you because it takes a certain level of bravery to put your you know self on the line because my first bands they threw quarters at us I remember Ian had a gouge out of his guitar where somebody threw a quarter at him uh, just because if you're terrible people are gonna hate on you but it's, you there's there's a floor and it's hard to get underneath that floor of terribleness if you're up there and you're doing your thing I I like it <laughs> I might not enjoy it but I like that you're up there all right
0: okay and uh ha- Okay, this is all all of us, if folks you don't know, Alpena is on the northeast side of Northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. the northeast side of Northern Michigan. Yeah, uh, have you ever uh, have you tr- during that time when you we were active as a teenager, did you travel outside of Northeast Michigan, like say, or to northwest side of Traverse City or downstate at all?
1: I think when I was playing with with John in uh, we had a band called Patterns in Paris that then became Mason Proper. We played in Gaylord once at a little cafe. We played in Charlevoix once outside under a pavilion, and that was a beautiful show because Charlevoix is just gorgeous. I mean, the west side of the state is where all the money and the tourists are. Oh, yes. We played a show over there at a little pavilion in Charlevoix, and it was really... We played with another band that I loved who was from Traverse City called Tanuki Suit. I love the Mario reference. (laughs) I still listen to Tanuki Suit to this day. They are like a, a prog rock... Not really noise rock because they're they're just all sorts of talented. And back then they were like 16, and they were playing stuff that blew my mind. And I was like probably in my early 20s. Um, we I played in Grand Rapids with uh, Patterns in Paris. Like uh, I think I'm trying to think of other places we played, but the only three that come to mind are like Gaylord and Charlevoix and Grand Rapids for sure.
0: Yeah, I remember? Oh, in the
1: UP, oh. I, w- I went up to the UP once and played a show with John and a weird side project band. Huh. Called uh, the Midden State. Huh? Do you remember where in Grand Rapids you played? Um, it was at the DAC, the Dac. Division Avenue Arts Cooperative. Oh,
0: oh yes, I I do remember there. I think I think they tried to resurrect a couple of years ago, but I think it moved around
1: a little bit too. It wasn't yeah. always the 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 the, but, the original DAC or the, the 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 DAC that we played at was like the the back of it to get your stuff was like up three flights of stairs, but it was at street level on the other side. But there was like no parking. It was yeah. kind of a it's giant a- pain in the butt because it was on Division Avenue. Well, yeah, Deck,
0: I remember was on Division. That's one I went to. Mm-hmm. Then uh, they got shut out due to gentrification downtown. Yep.
1: I it, Back, like when we played there, it was probably two thousand four, or two thousand five, and it was just on the edge of like a sketchy neighborhood. Like you weren't. Sure oh yeah, you D- Division man. is still pretty sketchy, but it's becoming more gentrified now. Oh yeah,
0: and since Art Prize is right around the corner. Uh, a lot of shit's gonna go down with the homeless people that live in that area, as in the city and the police boot them out there.
1: Mm. Big controversies, obviously. Yeah, I actually I lived in Grand Rapids for a hot second with Joel Choate in, uh, on Wealthy Street, right like a block oh. and a half from Yesterdogs. Oh, what a coincidence, because that's where I live, right on (laughs) Wealthy Street. I've been there for five years now. I feel like parts of Grand Rapids could be known as Little Alpina, because there's so many people from Alpina that live down there, like your Rob Bruce's and and, uh, all the guys from Moto. Yeah,
0: actually, that's a good segue there. We've mentioned mentioned them here, but you are friends with uh, Rob Bruce and Adam Newman Mm -hmm. of Murder Party, West Side Rebellion. Was it? The, how you the, hubies. the hubies. The I always pronounce it the hubbies.
1: No, the, and if you want to know what a hubie is, yes, I think. Please. I think it's kind of like a half direct, a half erect penis. It's like not an erection, <laughs> but not an all the way soft penis. I'm pretty sure that's what it means. Nice. Um feel free to correct me, Adam or uh or Rob if I'm wrong there. If they
0: ever get on here.
1: Oh and also <laughs> the another guy that was in the Hubies was Sean Chafto, who I'm pretty sure still lives in Alpina right now too. All
0: right. Wait, is he related to Jeff Shafto?
1: Yes, who plays for, what, Day Jobs, I think yep, it day is? Day Jobs, previously Natural Disasters. Yep, I, I absolutely love the band Natural Disasters. I used to oh. play them on, I had a radio show called The Local Music Radio Hour for a while where I played tons of Alpina music on it. And uh, anything that, even if you didn't live in Alpina anymore, but if you had Alpina roots, I would definitely play it. Or if yeah. you were just from Michigan, I'd play it too. I uh, know, a funny story, uh, when I was living in Kalamazoo, I also
0: worked for the... Western Michigan University newspaper, Western Herald. And uh, I, I, I mostly worked in the arts and entertainment section. And by choice, I did a lot of like underground DIY scene stuff because it was more interesting than a lot of the junk that we would get for stories. So I wrote one on a uh, bike tough, returning to fat guy house, yep, yep. where Jeff Shafto lives. And uh, when I wrote to Jeff to talk about it, he's like, yeah, I remember you from Alpina. I think we played baseball together. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I don't remember you at all. But then we got to know each other again.
1: It was all good. There were just, there's so many good musicians from the town of Alpina, Like I couldn't even list them all if I tried. Well, let's talk about these two great, great musicians. Robin Adam, how did you guys meet? Um, I used to work, well, aside from just seeing him at shows, I think the first time I saw Adam, he was playing in a band called Nucid. he was drumming, and that was at a show right across the street from the Austinique Hall in someone's garage. I think it was uh, a guy by the last name of Tolan, it might have been Rob Tolan or something like that, I apologize if I if got that wrong, but they had a show in his garage, I think that was after like the Austinique shows fell through from too much stuff getting destroyed, But so I met, I I think that's the first time I saw Adam. And then uh, Adam's dad had a house behind Kiff Miller's on the south side of town, kind of over by where Dunkin' Donuts was. And I worked third shift at Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, Rob and Adam, I think they were in a band at that point called Robbery in Progress. They would come over late night and get donuts, and I'd, I'd give them, like, the free stale donuts or, like, even free good donuts because, like, they'd be jamming because there weren't a lot of people that lived around on that south side of town. So they could be pretty much as loud as they wanted. So Rob and Sean and Adam would come over yeah. and get munchies late at night. And that's where I really, aside from just knowing Rob from school and from all the other bands, that's, like, when I started, you know, talking to him and hanging out with him a lot more. I think I recorded a Hubie's EP called, uh, I forget the name of it now. Uh, I think, well, I
0: checked out their... Uh Discography on Bandcamp. Wasn't there one where like you record them at the bandshell? Uh,
1: I recorded them at the at the the house that was over by uh, Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know if I ever recorded a bandshell show, show though. I, it's oh. possible that I did, but I recorded a lot of stuff. I recorded a band from Oscoda called uh, um, uh, Death or Glory. That was like my first. first. I bought uh, like a bunch nice, of uh, musical nice Clash reference to uh, yeah, and they they were a band that was a lot like the Clash, and they eventually uh, moved down to uh, Hamtramck. And I think uh, Jordan Wright, who was the lead singer in that band, see, these are Oscoda kids. He was just up for that show that happened at the Fresh Palette where Moto played that was like a high school reunion. So he has like a solo thing where he just sings and plays guitar. So many connections between so many people. But yeah, as far as as Rob and Adam, like I knew them from school and from shows and uh, and a lot from Dunkin' Donuts, just late night donuts and and jamming and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, very quickly. Uh, you say you work at the Fresh Palette now, right? Yes, I just started this last
0: Monday. Which I assure you, you totally will not get fired for any of the content on this <laughs> podcast.
1: No, but uh, have you had a hand in booking any of the shows there? No, and uh, right, really? I I just started there a week ago, and I'm just a, low, oh, a lowly okay. day cook. That but, explains it. But one of the one of the things that I talked about uh, with the manager, whose name is Josh, who I went to school with, was that. Even though I'm I'm not a very experienced cook, I know a lot about music, and so I, I could be maybe a, a help when they do throw shows. Oh, yeah. I could help do sound and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I
0: was, that's the thing because I follow them on Facebook, and of course, I check out their events, and I'm noticing all the bands they get in there from Robin Adams' bands to how you pronounce your name? Steph Chura? Yeah, Steph Chura. God. They had
1: Larry McRae play like a yeah, couple I months heard, ago. Heard and that, that, like I saw some videos on Facebook and man, yep. that looked incredible. Yep. They were expecting like a thousand people to show up. Huh. Yep. Alpina's like, it's Lipstick, got stuff going on.
0: Yeah, Lipstick Jody. And uh, and the, the one I saw with my folks who were very enthused about it, air quotes enthused, was uh, the legal immigrants from Grand Rapids. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh,
1: yeah, even so, I'm looking at all this. I'm like, damn, they are killing. Fresh Palace is killing it right now. Well, Josh, the manager, he used to play in bands back in the day too, so he he experienced all the same shenanigans that I experienced yeah, growing that, up. And
0: it's a big difference from a lot of the bands I did know I have noticed past few years around here, which are basically just your cover bands, cover bar bands. You know, some occasionally you'll get someone cool like Way Out Wayne who does the same thing, but has his own vibe about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie Hartman occasionally plays in yeah. town when he's not fishing or but
1: whatever. But it's, it's, like I said earlier, it's hard to hate on anybody that will get up on stage and, you know, and play because you open yourself up to criticism very easily, especially if you're, it's hard to be in a bar band because you got to impress the drunk, you know, the 39-year-old woman who, just wants to hear pour some sugar on me you know yeah, just wants or, to hear some bonjour or
0: or like the 20 21 year old me who hates being alpino you know, and can't wait to move downstate you know try and get some cultural infusion on the weekend then hearing some kind of wonderful yeah uh, okay, yeah it's like
1: uh, here's wonderwall brother or uh, play wagon Wheel. That's, uh, that's the, the price that you pay when you get up on stage is that bad, bad things can happen and people can judge you. Uh, it's more of a generational thing, too. I feel like there will always be that, though. There will always be the need for people to be a human jukebox to get up there and impress drunk people or at least get them dancing. I, my own philosophy, I like to learn pop songs. I like to learn Katy Perry and Lady Gaga stuff just so I can come out of left field and play a Britney Spears yeah. song. In so, the style of punk rock and just people are like, Hey, I like that and I don't know why or I'm surprised by that. I might not enjoy that uh, artist, but like So does that
0: mean does that mean this new band that you're thinking of forming? Does that mean like since you're all up on the cultural trends, you gonna do like a punk rock mumble rap cover?
1: Uh, I don't know if I can sink that far. I don't know if I did. um drink and perk. <laughs> Making songs. We Making actually, better. myself and my girlfriend, who are the two founding members of, what I would like to call this band Bad Beans. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this new band, um, Bad Beans. So there is a a. I wouldn't even call him a mumble rapper because he doesn't mumble. He's got face tattoos. He's called Stitches. I don't know if you've ever heard. Oh, oh, Stitches. gosh. Out of Florida. Yes, I know that Stitches. So uh, she was working on <laughs> a breathy acoustic cover of. I'm gonna put cocaine in your ass. I'm gonna put my dick in your ass, like, uh, nice. uh, it's, and it's terrible. She does a great cover of "Bitches Ain't Shit," like "Bitches uh, Ain't Shit," holes and tricks. Like, like, actually does it like the same intensity as the same that intensity, bit. but
0: just with the acoustic not, guitars. Not like the Ben Folds cover. Kind of quasi Ben Folds, I would okay. say. Which I seen Ben Folds twice, and unfortunately, he never did the cover.
1: The- nah. Uh. See, I like ironic stuff like that. I like I like pulling Katy Perry out of my ass just to shock people. Because for me, it's not shocking them with like, fuck, 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 shit, shit. It's more like, I'm going to play this super wholesome pop song out of left field and be weird about it. Nah, yeah, you just got to be yourself. You, re- It really sucks when people know that you're being a, like a tryhard. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's, I sing like a girl, so I might as well like sing some girl songs every once in a while. Use <laughs> that part of my body. All right. Okay, so what is what is the genre of uh, bad beans? Bad beans? I, I feel like I had to make up my own genre. But uh, going on Bandcamp and seeing all the weird things that are available, I s- found a genre called Folktronica. Which oh, is like
0: folktronica, yeah, folk, and, you mix which, folk, yeah, folk, folk and, and
1: electronic music. music, and for me because I want to play everything, but I only have so many arms. Like I'm gonna use drum loops and stuff like that, so there's gonna be electronic elements and acoustic guitars. Oh, that's nice. And that's actually a, a genre longer. I very much like. Along with, like, a lot of lo-fi
0: electronica. Yep, yep. Like, you ever heard of uh, Advanced Bass or Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone? Cassiotone Tone for the Painfully Alone, yes. Yep, he uh, goes by Advanced Bass now. Semi-different, but that's kind of stuff I really do like there. You know, a lot of hits more emotional core with mm-hmm. uh, lo-fi beats or even, like,
1: dance beats itself. Mm-hmm. Lo-fi bedroom pop. There was a, yep. a band I came across called I Just Wanted a Bite of Your Cookie. Blows my mind. They might not be for everybody, but it's just, I feel like it's like one gender to be determined person. Because I can never tell if it's a woman or a man singing because they sing so high. Hey, hey, are you questioning the gender? They haven't revealed it, so I'm not going to assume their gender, I guess. Let's just call them them. Them. So this them person. It. And uh, a bunch of electronic beats. And they're like, I wouldn't call it lo fi. It's like, it's more like low money because, like, good beats and good, you know, samples, you know, require pretty decent stuff. And I feel like they've just got, like, an ancient MacBook, and they're using the stock sounds. But it works for me. It's like one – it's it's almost like they took an electric guitar, and they don't have it plugged in, but they're micing it. So it's like this very, very weird sound, and it just gets me right in the feels for some reason. Nice. So, yeah, check out I Just Wanted a Bite of Your Cookie if you're into sort of lo fi bedroom electronic pop. And uh, what about you guys, Bad Beans? Anything out yet? No, absolutely not. We both work too much lately to even barely practice. But just the other you night. You to put know, some
0: out, motherfucker?
1: I'm working on it. It's It's been a while since I've. I need to find a stable place so I can actually set up my recording gear and get back into it. Right now, I've just been learning songs. Like the other night, I was working on learning some Radiohead and stuff like that. Just because. Uh-huh. Like Creep? No, not Creep. Uh, Honestly,
0: that's the only Radiohead song I really know of.
1: I'm, I've been trying to learn like old Radiohead, like High and Dry and like Fake Plastic Trees, stuff like that. Stuff I can use my girly falsetto voice on. How about some good old Weezer? Um, there's a couple Weezer songs I do. Uh, I know El Scorcho, just because I, I love <laughs> that song to death. And that's part of my, like, there are only two good Weezer albums, and it's the fucking first two. You know what? Let's get into that, because... (laughs) Let's uh, talk some Weezer.
0: Yeah, uh, because I don't know if it was you directly. Well, no, no, it was earlier. I got into Weezer in high school, but uh, how did you get into Weezer?
1: So my older sister had the Blue album, and that was probably, like, 94, and it was incredible, and they were on MTV, and, and it was just good music. Uh, like back then, uh, you know, we were listening to Nirvana and Pearl Jam, but also like TLC's Waterfalls and and uh, not Backstreet Boys, but Boys to Men. I had a soft Boys spot for like that Motown Philly sound or whatever it was. Me, it was all about ninety eight degrees. degrees, all though, day, all day, every day. Uh, we Gosh. all have our cringe worthy uh, music from our childhoods. At- actually, I'm
0: kidding. I was a huge. New Metal and Eminem fan growing up so I wanted to kill them all like Eminem claimed mm. he did on the Marshall Mathers LP mm. even though he does songs with like Ed Sheeran that one Yeah, so. it's funny how
1: your career can take sort of meandering paths to like weirdness.
0: Well, no, it's good that you're growing up and you got out of that but
1: you can't help but look <laughs> on the path of some like, well, isn't that ironic? I don't know, his most recent album I think he shit all over everyone ever so maybe oh, yeah. he hasn't grown up.
0: Well, I, I got to listen to that, but I'm kind of a little bit turned off by the whole, oh, it's a reaction to his critics and mm. people he hates. It's like, dude, I don't give a shit about that. He's
1: I'm, always been a very me-against-the-world type of guy, though. Like, well, fuck everybody and fuck anybody that wants to fuck with me. And, well, uh, yeah. Lots of the F word.
0: No, there's actually a real emotional interview that he did a while back, especially with the lighting. They put him, like, in half-dark. He's sitting there in Oh, no, the really? he just straight up says that he doesn't have the same anger that he used to Hmm. which if you look if I'm a big Eminem fan like before Bob Dylan you know I got into Bob Dylan in high school and that was like the guy that I consider my all-time favorite musician and he's the reason I'm into a lot of music I am now even if like he didn't directly make it like Bob Dylan isn't making, like, lo-fi bedroom pop. But, uh, he was making his own lo-fi bedroom pop of the day for yep. a while. Oh, yeah, but but before Bob Dylan, there was Eminem, who was, like, my all-time favorite. He still is. Like, he's, like, top five musicians. But, yeah, I grew up with Eminem, you could say. And, yeah, if you look at his history, his music and personal, yeah, it probably is a good thing that he grew up as, like, getting past these demons and these mm-hmm. addictions because they're they're fucking horrible. Man. Yeah. If you're a true fan, you probably don't want them going through that all their life. Because they won't they won't last very long. You almost always will succumb to that addiction. Oh, that too. And it's like, t- come on! Do you really want them going through all that pain just so you can write another funny horrorcore song uh. that you like <laughs> back in the sunshine LP? It's like method
1: acting for musicians.
0: Like, I'm gonna
1: do some heroin. So I can write a really good heroin song.
0: Yeah, it's like, okay, calm down, Lou Reed. You can only (laughs) get, like, three singles out of this. Uh, But back to
1: Weezer. Yeah, Uh, okay, so you got into through the Blue Album. So the Blue Album came out, my sister had that, and so then we bought Pinkerton. And the first time we listened to it, we didn't know what the fuck to make of that album, because it was such a 90-degree turn from the Blue Album, but it very quickly grew on us. And so... Uh, I do remember now how I got
0: into Weezer. I do know how. This was uh, back in high school when I was, like, into emo. By emo, is mostly Dashboard Mm Confession and Jimmy Eat World. Mm -hmm. And I happened to read a book called Everything Hurts. I think that was the title of it, called About the Rise of Emo and Internet Culture. And, of course, it talked about, like, the early emo days, like, how it came out hardcore and screamo. Mm -hmm. And it specifically had a chapter on Weezer and Pinkerton, like, the influence it had on it very personal that, lyrics like just hard on your sleeve uh yep, like that, laying yourself bare yep and that's how i got into weezer right there i think i got blue album first and then
1: like pinkerton like a few months later out of town if i could start a rock band like i would steal everything from pinkerton like weird ending songs on like sad minor chords and uh, using screeching feedback all the time and like it's slightly off kilter song structures yeah. and it's deeply personal lyrics, like almost confessional to a certain extent. Oh, a lot of it is, and uh, I think one of them was uh, "Across the Sea." Yeah, like that is he, my favorite song. Yeah, he got it. permission from
0: like the fourteen-year-old Japanese mm-hmm. girl who wrote him a fan letter, which is totally normal, not yeah, at all not at all creepy.
1: Uh, uh, oh, poor Rivers Cuomo, just can't find a lady. Oh, poor River. No, I think he's married now. <laughs> To a Japanese woman. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> no,
0: but uh, yeah, yeah. I like both albums. I would have to go with Pinkerton because I think it's more experimental and the mm-hmm. lyrics are better. But basically, if you want the grimy, experimental, underground stuff, Pinkerton's your key. If you yeah. want like the smooth, clean rock, the bangers, you could say mm-hmm. the blue, blue album definitely. Like, there's no Buddy Holly. There's no sweater song. Or only in dreams or anything on Pinkerton, mm-hmm. you can't blast out. You you can blast those on the radio, no problem.
1: The Good Life from Pinkerton is probably the closest that oh, to yeah, the blue right. album. But uh, even there's Man, parts of the no blue closer. album that still has like that feedbacky, sad weirdness yeah, like to it. In in the garage, yeah, in the garage, in is a good the one. garage, D and D references and comic safe. stuff. Like, yep, that is that's definitely played a huge part of of what I wanted to be as a musician yep. growing up. That and the band Mild Seven, who's now known as Moto. Yep. For some reason I looked at them and I was like, that is everything that I want to write and play and sound like. Yep. And I don't know if I've ever told them that, but if you guys hear about that, like you guys are my heroes. I don't know if you could tell when I was young, but I pretty much copied everything you did. See,
0: that's, that's the thing about the Garrett Schalke podcast. We just have these emotional moments <laughs> between, you know, the dick jokes and the
1: yelling. Yeah. And figuring out what a, a semi-hard penis actually means. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay.
0: Actually, Weezer and Eminem are a lot alike in the in some ways. The main thing is that like their first two albums are hailed as masterpieces, and the rest of them are not. So like, yeah. For you, uh, when did Weezer start going downhill for you?
1: The anything after Pinkerton, like?
0: Yeah. Actually, that's another thing. Uh, there was another. <laughs> Picture you had on your MySpace and then Facebook is you kind of just sitting there, standstill. Like there's like this dark bluish light. And the original MySpace you wrote, he cries whenever he listens
1: to Pinkerton. Yep, that was me being fake emo. <laughs> yeah, right? then actually I actually emo. Yeah, I
0: quoted that on your Facebook one, and you just reply back, I cry whenever I think about
1: what they became after Pinkerton. Yep. There was one album, I think it was Maladroit, that I think Rivers Savin was like, or like everybody likes Pinkerton so much. I'm gonna try to do that again, and he got kind of close, but this, yeah, they miss Matt Sharp, Matt Sharp, who then went and formed, I think, the Rentals, like the band the Rentals. That's what's missing from Weezer now. You can't ever have old Weezer back unless you had Matt Sharp back in the band because it was his crazy little falsetto singing in the background and weirdness that really made that band. Work uh, or click
0: the thing with a uh, Weezer now. Whenever I listen to their stuff, even their newest stuff, is uh, Rivers kind of reminds me of like we were talking earlier a tryhard mm-hmm. like this guy who writes these lyrics where they're not really that deep, but he's trying to connect to like the younger audience, mm-hmm. but he just can't
1: do it. Mm-hmm. There, I've read stuff about where he mathematically uh, analyzed like Nirvana songs to figure out yeah, like Green what, Day and you know so. any pop song to figure out what made it tick and like how to recreate that. And it's like for me, you let magic happen. You write a riff, and if it works, cool. If it doesn't, just you know go write another riff or work on it some more, yeah. or see if you can get it to click. And maybe it doesn't click for ten years. Maybe you beat your head against the wall over and over and over again until finally like, one day. We're half asleep, it comes to you. And that's why I think music and magic are one well, and the same. Well, that's probably not a good idea for
0: Rivers, you know, the whole sleep thing and it comes to you. I'll tell you why in a sec. But uh well kinda of, well, I actually am in one way I am glad that he's not trying to reenact the sound and success of Blue Album Pinkerton. Kinda of like how I don't want Eminem to like try to reenact some shade LP and mm-hmm. Marshall Mathers LP. You know, yeah, even if you fail, I still want you to try new shits. Mm-hmm. Really, I do, because I don't want to hear the same stuff. But it's just the lyrical content. God, I used to think he was a good lyricist. I really did. Like, when I, since I'm a writer and all, I really like to pay attention to lyrics, which is why, I like, Bob Dylan's my all-time favorite. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, he's great. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, so, like, when I would listen to, like, Rivers and, like, compare him to other guys, whether it's... Dylan or Eminem or Tom Waits, Joni Mitchell, or hell, even guys that could be more of his contemporaries like Kurt Cobain. Now I'm reading this stuff and it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And okay, the guys, besides some of the lyrics, some of his
1: sounds are just
0: fucking boring. Yeah.
1: Like the Green Album bored the shit out of me. Yeah, it was, it's, like, I was super excited when they got back together, but then when I heard what came of it, I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, uh,
0: if if you could set what is there like a favorite Weezer album you have that's not Pinkerton or Blue album, probably uh, Maladroit, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Dope Nose and uh, Keep Fishing, particularly, which I do think are
1: both good songs. Mm-hmm. And well, they, he, the thing is, I could still listen to any Weezer album after those two, and not you know not hate it and actually get enjoyment out of it but if I really wanted to feel feels and to like to be to have my brain be stimulated those first two albums even though I've heard them a million times I can always hear new things in Pinkerton because there is so much going on there's such a crazy interplay between sounds and and sonic landscape if you want to get all crazy with it like it depends on what mood you're in. It's like one of those pictures where you stare at it until it, the 3D image becomes available. For me, I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird, but for me, that's that's what I, f- I feel Pinkerton is. Yeah. Well, I
0: I was always I always used to say that uh, that when Weezer eventually starts putting out like Grace hits albums, they are they will literally be the Grace hits because uh, besides from it'll be all the best tracks from Blue Allen Pinkerton it will be like
1: the one to maybe three best tracks for from every album afterwards, mm-hmm. and that's what separates those two albums from every album they made. Every single song on those first two albums is great. There is not a single one where I hit the skip button. Yeah. Not a single one. Whereas those other ones, I can take or leave some songs on them. Yep,
0: yeah. like uh, even Green Album, which I hated. Well, what was it like? Uh, Island, the
1: Sun. I like that, mm-hmm. even though it was kind of boring. You know, do, do, do. It's a pop song, and that's... I mean, he, he definitely became very proficient at writing pop songs, but there's only so far you can go if you're not breaking new ground in the pop song yeah, in the field. Yeah, my my personal uh, f- favorite
0: post-Blue album, post-Pinkerton, is uh, Make Believe. Mm, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, I, I do a few things. Uh, one, the real superficial reason... Is their, their song Beverly Hills, which is a terrible song out and out. Like when it's I talk a good pop song though. Well, oh god. Well, remember how I said that I think rivers could be too try-hardy at times? Mm-hmm. This is what I mean by the lyrics, like you know, where I come from isn't all that great, my automobile is a piece of crap, my fashion sense is a little whack. I'm like, oh fuck you. It's like a sixteen year old wrote those lyrics. I know, that's the thing. But I remember because I was working at a, I won't say the name of it because I got fired from there. My first real job ever. It's at a local family market here in Alpena. Totally not across from the bowling alley. (laughs) Yeah, but I remember because, of course, we'd have the bay on. Mm -hmm. We all fucking hate that radio station to this day. So uh, all the crappy songs they would play. This was like my last year of high school. I always get happy whenever they played Beverly Hills. Mm Because like I know it's a crappy Weezer song, but it's good compared to all their shit on here.
1: So that's pretty good. Can we take a quick break and then talk about radio in a second? Uh, sure. Okay. Because I really gotta use the restaurant. Is all that right. possible on there? Can you oh pause yeah. It or?
0: Oh yeah. This will actually give me a chance to like cut out and put like a middle song in uh, there. Cool. I'm be like,
1: to right. some sort of old uh, like song from back in the the, the LP the
0: All right, folks. Uh, we'll be right back.
3: I want my chubby right here, right now. No!
0: series? I guess so. There's like three people watching it. Oh, Alpino, you only get three people for your big events. And we're back. Okay, uh, I guess continue quickly with uh, the make-believe, my favorite album. Okay, but aside from Beverly Hills, I really do like kind of the darker tone of the album. Mm -hmm. You know, that does kind of make some the songs all kind of sound the same, but take what you can get. And I really do think a lot of a lot of, them were, a lot of the lyrics were deep and even heartfelt, like you
1: know, "Hold Me" and "Damage in Your Heart." It was very great. That album and uh, the White album, I think, were the and Maladroit were the ones that I think the the fans' consensus were the ones that had come. as... Close as possible to recreating sort of that Pinkerton magic, yep. which is funny for a band that 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 Pinkerton was critically not acclaimed. It was a it was a famous kind of flop. Oh yeah, just because it was so different. It's like the epitome of the cult classic, yep. and uh, it's funny that to then break up and come back. And then try to, to recapture the magic of your worst album, according to the critics. <laughs> yes. it's the, I guess yeah. that's what that's what fame is, or that's yep. what success is. Yep. But, but
0: Make Believe did have, well, I think it's the worst Weezer song of all time on it. It's a little song called We Are All On Drugs.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Please tell uh, me you agree with that's a terrible song. Yeah. Yep. I, that yeah. or... I'm I'm really never been a fan of Hashpipe even though I love the music for it, but I just like for some reason that's one of the ones where like if if it came on and I had my choice, the skip button's getting hit. Well well basically
0: with We Are All on Drugs, a few things. One is an anti drug song. Mm -hmm. Like purely anti drug, not like you're writing a song about how shitty your life is on drugs. Those are cool. But doing just a totally anti drug one, bad. Second, the origin. Remember how you mentioned that, you know, Weezer should just, like... No, not Weezer. Rivers should just kind of, like, relax and, like, take a nap. Then, like, a song come to his head. Not in this instance. Nope. Because apparently, I guess the origin is, like... Rivers was, like, living in some apartment in Hollywood or some shit. He was sleeping. And there was, like, a club next door where, like, the neon sign was, like, flashing through his window. He apparently then woke up, saw the sign, then thought we are all on drugs. I'm like, oh my god, that's your origin story for yeah. this fucking song? Yeah. Uh, that's why it's, uh, And then of course, the terrible, to- the terrible lyrics like, you think
1: you're really cool when you show up late for school when you're on drugs. <laughs> uh, th- when you say it, it's even worse because it's just Cause like, uh, there's no, there's no veneer of, you know, Co- Rivers Cuomo cool to like make I it seem not so lame. Like, you put on
0: your headphones, and you get into the zone when you're on drums Like, aw. Oh.
1: Well, sound like lyrics that I would write, because I'm famously bad at, at writing lyrics. Yeah. yeah. I've kind of been getting back into it, along with just poetry in general. I can write essays. Like, give me an essay. Give me a topic you want an essay written about. Uh, I'm fine, but, like... What it, what Weezer can do to become good again. Yeah, to make Weezer great again. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh,
0: but, okay, uh... Okay, their latest album is The White Album. Have you
1: listened to it? I think once. Uh, I think uh, Rolling Stone was pimping it as like the, the oh. coolest Weezer album to come out in a while. So yeah. I think... Uh, the, the most I've heard of it was uh, The Needle Drop, a.k.a. Anthony Fantano.
0: The best teeth in the game. Mm. Actually rated it, rated like, I think the song Summer Girls, one of the worst singles of 2017. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. So you think... Okay, I guess to close out this part of the conversation,
1: can Weezer ever be great again? Not without Matt Sharp. Not without him? Not without the old bass player. I feel like he was the, the jelly to Rivers' peanut butter <laughs> or chocolate or whatever yeah. you think the combo is supposed to be. Okay,
0: and finally... Uh, You think they'll just keep doing these meme covers, like Toto?
1: It's working for them, I was literally, right before you got here, I was reading an article about how Weezer is like America's cover band right now because of Toto, (laughs) and over, it's funny because at work we listened to this Pandora station, and these songs kept coming on and they were like this bland rock song, and I just kept thinking, is this Weezer? Is this a Weezer song? (laughs) Because I can't tell. Someone
0: save me. That's bad when, like, the first thing you think of when you hear a shitty, boring song, is this one of my favorite bands? Yeah, uh,
1: don't get me started. The funny thing was, after the, the, the may, may or may not have been Weezer song, a song by a guy from Elpina came on the, the Pandora station. The, this guy that I used to play with back in the day, John Visger, we were in a band called Patterns in Paris. We were in a bunch of bands together: AV Club and uh, Honesty in the Auto Industry, the Mitten State. But he has a solo project called Abso Facto. and uh, he's real big on Spotify. He's got lots of really, really good tracks. And uh, wait, wait, what was his name again? Uh, John Visger. He was the lead singer of Mason Proper. Oh, this is a good segue. And, uh, yeah, so I'm washing dishes or doing something, and I heard his voice, because I know his voice, and I heard guitar licks that sound just like the way he plays guitar. And I don't have Shazam on my phone, but I didn't need Shazam to tell me that... (sighs) Yep, that's that's a new Facto track yep. on the Pandora station, and I wa- I remember walking into the prep room. I'm like, "Hey, man, I used to play with this guy on the radio," and the guy was just like, "Who cares?" And just kept <laughs> chopping stuff. Yeah, sure. Like you did. I just cool story broed yeah, myself. Sure, sure he uh, sure sure did, Vic. Uh, At,
0: delusions. Yeah, uh, that's another thing. I, I think when I first first uh, met you through online, actually, I think I learned this fact through uh, Wikipedia. Actually is that uh, you were a former member member of Mason Proper.
2: Mm -hmm. Tell us, uh,
0: who who, who were Mason Proper?
1: So the original members started in a band called AV Club. The drummer was named Sam Gould, and uh, John and him must not have got along or something, so they needed a new drummer. And I was kind of a new, unproven, somewhat untalented drummer. So I was drumming for AV Club for a little bit, and then I didn't work out, so they went back to Sam. And uh, so the original members of that band were uh, Brian Konachek on lead guitar, John Visger on rhythm guitar and singing, Pat Stafford on bass, and then Sam was the drummer, and I was the drummer. And then when AV Club ended, uh, there was another band that we were same members, but with me back on drums called Honesty in the Auto Industry. That was one of my favorite ever bands to be in. It was like a Nintendo core band. So John mm-hmm. played synth keyboard and sang, and then it was everybody else on the same uh, instruments. And then that band turned into a band called Patterns in Paris, which was more bedroom pop and uh, alternative rock style band, but lots of experimental stuff. They, uh, John was experimenting with reverse tape loops and uh, mellotrons and stuff like that. And then that band with those songs, the, at one point, I think he just didn't like that name anymore, so we uh, voted and changed the name to Mason Proper. I left yep. the band probably a week after the name change. I think on yep. um, their first record, I'm maybe on one yep. tambourine and maybe on the song Lights yep. Off. There's a moth in your chest? Yep, the the first album, yep. which was then remixed by uh, some guy that I think worked for TV on the radio or something yep. like that.
0: Yeah, honestly, I was... Okay, I wouldn't say I was scared, but I was kind of a little bit hesitant to ask you about this because as, as we know with some bands, especially if you watch behind the music back in the day, sometimes it, there's some animosity. So I didn't know if this was like something you would want to talk
1: about. No, abs- I, absolutely. I, I love John to death and will always like his music. That's why when I was washing dishes and I heard an, yeah. absof- an obvious abso facto track, I was like, good for him. There was one night I was driving home and uh, I was listening to NPR and they played one of my favorite songs by him. It's called uh, Dissolve. That came on the radio, and I yelled. I was just like, yes, this is amazing. And then somebody tried to sideswipe me. So I, like, real quick had to come yeah. back to, like, Earth. Yeah, I think I could tell you how I got into Mason proper.
0: There's two ways. Um, one, I got two friends who are also from Alpena that are into Mason proper. They also got me to Ben Folds. And, uh, well, there's also a – we have a cool city sign next to a Cray Park.
1: Thanks, Jennifer Granholm.
0: Yep, thanks, Granholm. Go Gretchen. Anyway, <laughs> no, on the cool city sign, on like the bottom right corner, there's a little Mason Proper sticker. Nice. Sticking there, like with two robots on them. Nice. That I was like, Mason Proper, what's that? So I like looked it up and I found out, like, I think I found their Wikipedia entry and it said, like, they are a band from Alpena, Michigan. And I was just like, oh, because growing up in Alpena, I, here's my sad, sad origin story. Well, no, not really. It's just, when when I grew up in Alpena, I just found it really culturally isolating. And uh, unlike a lot of places, like, like say Chicago or New York, you know, it does seem like there's a lot of, like, real hometown heroes that, like, really made it big. And that's the thing when I looked up Mason Proper, when I followed their, when I read up on their timeline. You know, they started here. Then they moved to Ann Arbor and got big, put out like two big albums, you know, if There's a Moth in Your Chest, and my favorite, Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. Mm-hmm. then they broke up, and now doing all their separate projects.
1: I feel like I saw Brian in, at the Black Sheep probably maybe five or six years ago, I'm not sure if he's still playing with anybody. Yeah, I'm about to say... Uh, one- I completely lost track of uh, Pat Stafford, the original bass player. I know Matt Thompson, I see him on Facebook every once in a while. I think he travels a lot. I don't know if he still plays music. But John is definitely... I think he has won um, the the John Lennon songwriting contest. Like, that dude wakes up every morning, I feel like, and writes 12 songs. (laughs) Which is probably not the truth, but this is the way that, like, I feel. Like, he is... Even when we were working on the album and stuff like that, like he just had a, a, a backlog of song after song after song after song. So if something didn't work, that we'll find something else. Like he just had a ton of songs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ollie Ollie Oxen Free is one of those albums kinda like Pinkerton Blue I was, album. You just took the words right out of my that, mouth. That I love all the songs too. Particularly my first real Mason Proper song that really got me into them was from point A to Point B. Yep. Yeah. That's a great one. Then, you know, I saw a music video for Fog, mm-hmm. and I think my current, I guess I say current because uh, I kind of switched from now again. Favorite song from them is Out Dragging the River.
1: Yeah, that's so, a really good one. Yep,
0: So much that uh, my first novel, Animaki, I actually included, you know, I think I'm through with the fighting, you know, that part mm-hmm. as like kind of like the beginning of the novel. I actually wanted to call it that, you know, I think I'm through with the fighting, but then I was like, oh, wait, they're kind of a big band. Could they sue me for copyright here?
1: I don't think so, because it's not, and I don't think it's a direct quote, but then again, who knows? Copyright, like, you can copyright a song that sounds like another song, kind of. Yeah. It's in the same key. I guess that's what happened to Robin Thicke and Pharrell about that. Oh, God, that one. (laughs) From the the people from Marvin Gaye's estate. Yeah, yeah, but,
0: uh, but but yeah, uh, I would say Mason Proper Two is one of those bands that I really 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 wish I was seen live. And I've had my chances when I was like look up some of their shows on YouTube. Of course, mm-hmm. they played here a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I think they like, played at the college. Yeah, college. They got some really good uh, pictures. The, from yeah, that. the art in the loft and uh, the bar that's now called the Black Sheep. When mm-hmm. something else. Yeah, it was all during that time when I was like in Alpena, I think like 2007, 2008. And I knew nothing about them. And God, I was just, I'm just so fucking bummed even yeah. to this day. <laughs> I'm currently crying into my dick right now. Uh, over you're crying, missing them. crying while you're listening to Ali Ali Oxenfree? <laughs> yeah, uh, I never got to see them when I was crying just getting into my 20's John
1: he's uh, he's got stage presence for days like he can he can definitely lead a room for sure yeah. um, I feel like their second album is very much like Pinkerton in that I didn't know what to make of it at first because it was different and they had gone in a very very oh, I wouldn't yeah. even say different direction but just com- continued to experiment and do new crazy stuff and like the first time I listened to it I'm like eh I don't know if I like it. And then the second time, I'm like, eh, that's pretty good. And then the third time, I was like, yep, that's, that's what I like. I like oh, yes. that. Yeah, so, uh, okay, we talked about John with his side projects. Uh, what are the
0: other guys doing?
1: Well, you know? Um, I don't know if any of them are still playing music. John himself just has several side projects. For a while, he and Brian had a side project called Hollow and Akimbo, and yeah, those my, are my actually program. some of my favorite songs that John has done. Are those hollow and Akimbo" tracks? There's a couple of them that I will listen to on repeat forever. They're just great. Yeah. But I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if anybody else is still playing music. Mostly I keep in touch with them over Facebook, and I don't I don't see any musical stuff going on. I'm pretty sure Brian has still got to play because he's such yeah. an amazing guitar player. Right. But Pat has completely fallen. Off. I don't think he's on any social media that I know of. So. Yeah. Uh, you think. Here's
0: a big fanboy, then, asking you, an ex-member, do you think they'll ever come back, reunite,
1: as Mason Proper? I don't know. Somebody would have to convince John, because it, it couldn't happen without him. And we'd have to literally have to track everybody else down. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll get John on here to convince him. <laughs> I would love to see him come back and, and play the fresh Palette as Facto, but there's, I mean, he does South by Southwest. He's, he's doing other stuff now, so it's like, for him... You can come back to your roots if you want to, but you don't have to. There's You, you owe this town nothing, technically, because this yeah. town really didn't necessarily appreciate its music scene. The town itself. Oh, yeah. The people in it, for sure. And if he wanted to come back and play, he could easily pull a crowd of 500 to 1,000 people. Yeah, hometown, know, he, hometown hero. For sure. But at the same time, he this this town... You know, didn't ever help him on his way. It wasn't like accommodating, like, here, play this show here and do this. Yeah, I, know, felt, yeah I felt the it same. It was people that did for him, not yeah. not the town. Yeah, I felt the same way growing up.
0: I'm a writer who barely really wrote anything that's publishable up until 2013. Okay, so yeah, that's the most Proper section of this conversation where I just wanted to geek out there for a sec. All right, uh, Final one. Okay, you've uh, you obviously mentioned. Yeah, you know, we obviously talked about you know your musical career, the bands you've been in, the instruments you played. But you also have a side where you do a lot of
1: recordings, a lot of production, and you used to have a radio show. Mm-hmm. I used to uh, be a volunteer for a radio station called uh, WXTF LP, which was the first low power FM station granted an FCC license in the state of Michigan when they opened up the licenses. There is another one in Hillman called WXHR, Hillman Radio, but uh, WTF was the first. I happened to meet somebody that was affiliated with a project called the Elkona Music Project, and they were getting together, and everybody was practicing in anticipation of you know forming a radio station, and a, a very famous and successful uh, DJ from the West Coast had retired here, and, uh, and had all the equipment to do it and had the know-how to apply to the FCC and had a dream and wanted to start it and did. And I was just um, lucky enough to fall in with the right people at the right time. And for me, I started off um, dabbling in the news and weather, playing with a little, uh, the robot voice on a Mac computer, mm-hmm. which then the founder of the station, Dave, Took that over and turned into an entire character because he had had enough of hearing his own voice, like on you know big huge radio stations. So he liked to talk anonymously through the robot, which worked out perfect for everybody. Hmm. He was able to keep a small amount of distance from it because yeah, I'm pretty sure he actually has stalkers and stuff like that. Like I didn't hear all the stories, but he, stalkers. He, he's in the broadcast hall of fame. So, oh really? Yeah, he was the main drive time DJ. I think in both Chicago. I think there is a day in his honor. In San Francisco. Like, he's the real deal. And now he's up here. Well, he was up here, but he has since moved back to, uh, I think, California. Cause okay. he wanted to go someplace with actual culture and, and you know, nice restaurants and stuff like
0: well, that. Well, he doesn't like, you know, the
1: really isolated environment. He did environment. for a while. He, um, he did for a while, but after a while, you might get lonely. It's like, yeah, holy shit. So yeah, I fell in with the right people at the right time, and uh, yeah, dabbling what? in the new in the news and weather for a little bit, and then I really have always been interested in the music scene up here. And Bandcamp had every you know track from any band in Michigan you'd ever want. So I started trolling Bandcamp like six, oh. seven, eight hours a day finding. What
0: what years were this? This uh, I I
1: don't uh, I don't remember. It was probably. 15 16 something like that 2000 oh, okay. 2016 um, but yeah I just would find good Michigan bands and, and put them all on a playlist and try to I wasn't as big about talking about like their history and where the, and what other bands they were in unless I knew a lot about it. Huh. Mostly I just tried to expose Northeast Michigan to as much Michigan-made music as possible. And the show had gone under you know, several different names. Sometimes it was called the local music radio, or other times it was called Music from the Mitten. <laughs> my DJ name was DJ Jazzy Jew, so sometimes I called it... <laughs> J- Jazzy Jew? Jazzy Jew, because that's okay. my nickname. You know what, L- let's sell this right right now once and for all. Are you Jewish? I am not a practicing Jew, but I have Jews in my family, which I mistakenly, during my early days of high school, told to some upperclassmen, and Ooh. it stuck. So yeah. Okay, because
0: again, to go back to some old photos, you you always joke about Weezer
1: being Jewish or having feel alcohol (laughs) (laughs) syndrome. Yeah, those are the main three. That and uh, I'm I'm a Capricorn. I like long walks on the beach and triple anal fisting. That's my other like and memes and memes for sure. But yeah, I just I got with the right people and was able to find an outlet for my love of bands from from Northeast Michigan and Michigan in general. Uh, some of my favorite ones that I found were like Flint Eastwood. I don't know if you've ever. Oh heard yes, them. I know them. that was a good one.
0: They got um, another show coming up, I think near the end of this month at the Pyramid Scheme in
1: Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. That I plan on attending. I'm trying to think of some of the other, I mean, just, it's funny when you, when you think about how radio happens, you don't realize if you're not, you know, a commercial station owned by some giant, you know, media conglomerate, there's a lot of work to do to find oh, yeah. good music. So I, I or you're not the Bay where it's
0: like, Hey, let's play No Doubt, Hey Baby for like God knows how
1: many times. Here, here's my thoughts about the Bay is that for a while if go. you if you don't if you don't like country music and you don't like classic rock the the bay is all there is and they had a DJ named Mary for the longest oh, time Oh god
0: yes I know who you're talking about But
1: she, her and I had seen each other at like open mics around here and uh, she knew about my love for Katy Perry and Lady Gaga so every once in a while I'd be listening to the bay and she'd like this one goes out to Victor and she would play one of my favorite girly really pop songs so I can't hate on the bay at all that is yeah. f- for sure they are what they are, uh, bro- but brother- there are people there. Who, she's not there anymore, but there uh, were people there who cared. So. Bro- brother, I could really hate on the Bay. Uh, I, 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 bet, I, I bet. I wouldn't do that on here.
0: Actually, I do remember uh, on like one of their events that they were holding. No, oh, no, no. It wasn't an event. It was on their Facebook page. There was a visitor post. Some guy was like, hey, you think you guys play some Lil Wayne sometime? And then the person on the bay wrote back, "Hey, hey, Jack, thanks for the suggestion. You know, we personally kind of cater more towards the older crowd, but I'll see what I can do." Which I'm like, "Of
1: course you do. That's why you have fucking two hours of '80s music." That's the thing. Those commercial radio stations are what they are. That's why low power FM stations are so important. That's why it's so important that we keep on the FCC to keep opening up spectrum for small radio stations like WTF and, and like uh, the Hillman Radio. One. So right now we're kind of fighting them over net neutrality. Yeah, 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 there's that slight problem. Here, let's fake a bunch of articles about how we don't want more internet and more internet freedom. I yes. just pie, you jerk. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, who thought like his air net his,
0: uh, was already being uh, throttled. They wrote what was his name? How you pronounce it? Uh, Ajit Pai. I yeah, he's like Ajit Pai deserves to get his fucking face caved in. <laughs> he,
1: he, no threats of
0: violence. And then of course he just has some people like that's not cool, Aang. You shouldn't say that. He's throttling my fucking Netflix.
1: <laughs> that that's an impeachable offense, mofo. <sighs> oh God. Uh, so anyway. but, but that's why community radio is so important because you're you're not going to be able to play Little Wayne on Bay 108. But guess who does play Little Wayne? WTF sometimes you I'm do. sure I'm sure there is someone at some point whether it was ironically or on purpose that played and and a, a lot of times they're like music you won't hear on any other station yeah. because goddamn that is the the truth they will play Anything, anytime. They're, one night of the week, they play dubstep and electronica. Oh, I God. love rolling through Alcona County Dude. when it's after dark <laughs> and hearing some sweet, sweet wub, wub, wub. Uh, there's no other place where you yeah. can get that, at least in northeast Michigan. Oh, is this the latest squirrels ma- mouse album? <laughs> I mean, we did tons of hilarious oh. stuff. Uh, as far as like production, one night... Uh, we had an entire show just based around, I think it was a Rob Bruce sample, saying, Yeah, girl. So we had a button that said, <laughs> Yeah, girl. And that button got hit 300 times. I mean, that's not, you're not going to hear that on other stations. Yeah. Uh, how was the reception to your radio program? Um, I didn't get a whole lot of feedback from anyone, but the guy that ran the station liked my music that I played. Even though, And I was kind of one of the few people that was playing those genres of music, a lot of other people played blues and, and, uh, and Americana and uh, bluegrass and stuff like that. Just because a lot of the volunteers were older people, there weren't as many yeah. younger. There are more younger people now, and they actually they have people that do uh, live drama type stuff where they're, they're actually telling a story oh, nice. week to week, That's which awesome. that is really cool and really creative. And there's people now that are into electronica. There was a guy uh, named Beefloaf, a DJ named Beef Loaf. Be- Beef Loaf. who played no, Not meatloaf. Loaf. Uh, Beef Loaf. He played okay. tons <laughs> of electronica and dance music. But he would also do live DJing where he would crossfade tracks and place effects on it. And it's more than just passively hitting a button and waiting for it to go to the next track or, uh, or talking about that's it. That's the big criticism of DJs. Henry Rollins has a nice little rant about that for me it's, it goes back to what I keep saying is if you're up there it doesn't matter what you're doing or yeah, whether or not I'm I like it but you have a small amount of respect yeah. because you're up there Yeah, I'm, your cool. Thing. I'm cool with it all cause I, probably because I'm not a musician so I don't take it that seriously I mean, for me, I'll, even if I don't like your music, I'm looking at what gear you got, or I'm looking what your technique is, or I'm looking at other people bobbing their head along to the music, or you know how you how you work the room, or if you got moves, or you know if you're dressed funny. It all it all matters, and it all doesn't matter. Yeah. So, uh, how long did the show last? Um, a couple of years, because uh, I have moved away from Harrisville, so it's I, I I don't do it anymore. But maybe at some point, I'd love to start doing it again. I've always had sort of my heart set on doing a politics show, but not under my own name. I want to create a character. Sort of like, I I envision a character that lives on a houseboat out in the middle of Lake Huron, who is wildly individualistic and self-sufficient. So like a survivalist type. Kind of, but also like the type that really doesn't know what he's talking about, so he's, like, sort of... So t- so a survivalist terrible. type. So, yeah. so he's also terrible at everything, and I think his name would be, like, Tank Johnson. Like, super, <laughs> super, like, almost like a sovereign citizen. Like, he loves America, but he also hates America.
0: Yeah, dude, that's actually a lot of people up here now. You know?
1: he, I, I can't imagine who I would be parodying at all, but uh I used to do a character that was a cross between... Uh, Alan Jackson and Randy Travis, and I called him <laughs> Alan Travis, and pretty much I just made fun of Southerners and talked about freedom and and the flag and and uh, I remember and bald eagles.
0: I, I remember some comedian. I think it's on YouTube where like he did a parody of Larry the Cable, Larry the Cable Guy, is like Tony the truck driver or some shit, and so get her done, his whole thing was do oh. up. So so dude. he. So he would say something like really offensive, like gets Muslims. And then be like, "Do up." <laughs> All right. Oh, I think we're near the end here. Near in the end. Yeah. So, uh, Victor, what what holds in the future for you? You cur- you currently have a job at the
1: Fresh Palette. Mm-hmm. You have your new band coming up. Uh, really, i I wanna I wanna buy a house up here. I would like to uh, have my my main dream ever since I can remember having any sort of dream is having a place where I can be loud at any time that I want because a lot of times when the creative juices start flowing for me, it's not a convenient time for neighbors or for other stuff like that. So basically not with our dear friend Adam Newman who has the neighbor
0: that does face YouTube rants on him.
1: Although when uh, when I was playing uh, with John in Honesty in the Auto Industry, we were uh, in a house on the north side that I had previously rented and then some guys from the band were then renting You could play anytime day or night because the neighbors next door their dog was barking 24 7 So everybody just tuned we're, in you know, the we're noise. we're kind of canceling each other out here, it, right? So and one time we were we were practicing and it was winter and Lincoln school had just let out and uh, some kids found some dog turds in the snow And they could see and hear us playing music, and so they put dog turds inside of snowballs and started chucking them at the Big Bay window. So at one point, (laughs) we are in a dog shit snowball fight with a bunch of elementary students. And it will be to my dying day one of the funniest, happiest moments of my life. Don't you miss those
0: times when we are young and spontaneous like that? I, I will be young and spontaneous when I leave this well, place grant, in fifteen minutes. So, well, granted, I never did the whole dog shit you know, <laughs> snowball thing. <laughs> hey, but, it wasn't.
1: It was. The, it took the, but, the, the wisdom of children yeah, to come up with that idea. No,
0: back in my day, it was like, yeah, let's take these snowballs inside, you know, get them a little bit wet, and then take them outside and throw them at. Whoever and hope their
1: eye doesn't go out. I did dumb stuff as a kid, like where we would make the giant snow boulders and we just block side streets. So and then we'd hide behind a snowbank and wait for somebody to come up and just see this roadblock of, of giant snow boulders and be like, "What the fuck? Come oh, that- on, kids!" And then we'd laugh at them and run away. Oh, that's vicious. I was a terrible kid. Like, don't children are terrible? Or at least I was. Everything is terrible. Everything is terrible. Yeah. All right, Victor. Uh, where where can we find you online? Like, is there um, any a links, any promos? Uh, you can search for me on Snapchat. I just have a spoonerism of my name, so instead of K A H N, It's K I C T O R V A H N. So Kiktorvan on Snapchat. I obviously can't like speak my snap code and, and make you be able to like. Um, I think I'm Kiktorvan on Twitter too, but I never use it. Um, I'm kind of private on my Facebook just because it's under my own name and it's all my friends. So So you don't want me linking that in the comments so everyone can see your fresh memes? Um, okay. I mean, you could, but if I don't know them, I might not friend them. But I, I might at the same time if, the, if we have mutual friends, which yeah. we probably will. So feel free that you can probably link my Facebook, which I think is just Victorcom.3 uh, or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, other and, than that. And I, you do have a SoundCloud. I do have a SoundCloud, and that's just SoundCloud slash Victor underscore con, I'm pretty sure. Something like that. I used to have a YouTube channel, and I used to make videos with Adam Newman. Like, we did parodies of anti-drug commercials. Someday when I get a nice, you know, place again and I have money, I'm going to start making silly meme videos again. I finally remembered the name, quickly. uh, Adam's neighbor.
0: His name isn't John Picker, is it? I'm not sure. I don't know. Oh, God. Uh, You'd have
1: to ask Adam, but there's a. Good that's a chance. good.
0: That's a good point. I should. I should try get Adam on here again. He's
1: a busy man, and he does have a daughter, so you would have to pick his time. But Adam will figure something out if you're yeah, listening. I'd be interested in listening to Adam talk about whatever for an hour or two. All right. Well, I guess that's the show. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Thank you, Victor, for being on. Thank you for listening to me ramble for however long this was. Normally when I ramble, people tune out and walk away. Yep. I would love to have you back on if you're ever uh, anytime, interested. Anytime, anytime, and any topic, because I love talking about politics, I love talking about memes, and I love just talking. So. Yeah, we should do that again sometime. I'm definitely excited for that.
0: It shall be arranged. Sweet. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. You can check out all of Victor's stuff, which I'll link in the comments section. You can check out everything about me on my official website, garretschalki.tumblr.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, YouTube. You know, if you search my name, you will probably find me one way or another. Oh, and we're also on Facebook. The Garrett Schelke Podcast finally has a Facebook page. It's currently at 71 likes. Let's jack that up to, like, 75. (laughs) I will help you with that. I will definitely link that. Yep. You can find... You probably already downloaded this episode off the internet archive, but you can find all episodes there. And all episodes are now streaming on YouTube, because I finally got a bug in my ass and decided to put that all up on there. Which I probably should have done day one. Alright everyone, thanks for listening, have a good day, and here's the outro song.